As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports. It's powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my partner in crime, and you all know him and love him as your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we finally had to say goodbye to the Denver Broncos 2015 first-round pick as Shane Ray signed with the Baltimore Ravens, which is actually a pretty good landing spot for him. But it is. He, he penned a, a somewhat poignant goodbye to his teammates and, of course, Broncos country. You know, I thought it was a pretty classy message on Instagram. It was pretty detailed and, and, and thought-oriented. But the one inconspicuous absence from this message was the Broncos' front office or the coaches or, you know, anything like that. It's obvious that he didn't end his Broncos tenure on a high note. He was uh, deactivated last Christmas Eve, and he called it disrespectful. And that was kind of the nail in his coffin. He never, at least to me, never justified his draft status. He wasn't a, a horrible player. I don't think he was a bust, but he definitely never, you know, lived up to that first round status to me. He was on pace too. You know, that rookie yeah. his rookie year is the year, of course, Denver won the Super Bowl. And he contributed as a rotational guy between Ware uh, or behind Ware and Miller, whatever it was, four and a half, five sacks, something like that. Like it was an encouraging start. And then the next year was supposed to be actually the last year of, of Demarcus Ware. And yet Ware got hurt, and so Shane Ray ended up starting a lot of games, and he totaled eight sacks. So now yeah, he thinking, doubled it. You know, hey, the Broncos are onto something here with with Shane Ray. But where it went off the rails, unfortunately, was that wrist injury. And yep. there is some, you know, some questions as to who deserves the most blame for that, because frankly, the Broncos did not handle it the best. And of course, Shane Ray, when you know the player, if, you, if you're an injury prone player. That's not necessarily something the team can control either, so you, that, the team can't be blamed for that. But it's just a mostly a combination of, I, I think, that wrist injury. Had he not suffered yeah. that wrist injury, because it wasn't just, boom, suffer a wrist injury, miss time, come back, and you're ready to roll. That thing lingered and then ended up affecting him down the road, came back, you know, issues, and to the point where the Broncos didn't feel like they could count on him. And then the first round, number five overall pick rolls around last year, Bradley Chubb was the pick, and that was – you know, the writing was on the wall there for for Shane Ray. 
Yeah, the wrist injury, it, it sucks for him because it prevented him from weightlifting properly, from engaging and disengaging from his offensive linemen. It just made his job that much harder. And he wasn't this complete prospect before the injury. He struggled against the run. He struggled on the edge, you know, setting the edge. But he was a good pass rusher. And uh, like you said, just something when he got injured in that wrist, it never healed right. It was just crappy luck. It's part of the game. It was a tough injury to have for uh, an outside linebacker. Um, the coaches, I, I agree with you, they didn't do a great job managing it. Uh, the training staff could have done better. He just needed to change his scenery. And sometimes this happens in the NFL, and, and hopefully it works out for him in Baltimore. But here's what I'll say. I put, I put this out on Twitter a few days ago. Sylvester Williams was not a first-round bust for the Broncos. Changed my mind. I think Sylvester Williams, if you compare him to Shane Ray, Sylvester Williams was much more of a success story than Shane Ray because even though he, too, as a first-round pick, was not re-signed, he actually started on two Broncos Super Bowl teams and helped win the Super Bowl as a starter. Shane Ray contributed, not you know statistically, really. He came in and spelled Von Miller and Demarcus Ware, but Sylvester Williams actually anchored that all-time defense in Super Bowl 50 and deserve some props for that. So if you're the Denver Broncos and you're looking at, well, you know, we didn't re-sign him. He wasn't a 10-year player for us, but he at least contributed as a starter on a Super Bowl winning defense. That's something. With Shane Ray, you don't really have anything to hang your hat on in terms of any kind of legacy as a Bronco, except for that Chiefs tattoo that he got on his (laughs) freaking shoulder or whatever. You know, bust is thrown out so much in the NFL, and I'll say this. Paxton Lynch was a bust. There's no denying that. I wouldn't necessarily say that Williams and Ray were busts, but they definitely did not live up to their first-round draft status. I mean, let's let's be clear. They needed to provide more. And, yeah, I think in the case of Ray, his career was on the upswing, and he could have been something. He was a great prospect coming out of college. Uh, but just that injury and just some bad timing, some bad coaching, it all kind of you know molded together, and it was a, just a bad situation for him. Today, you guys, we are going to dissect the very latest in the Chris Harris Jr. saga. But first, a couple of quick matters of business. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. That's the best way for you to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. And then do not forget to leave your creative review on iTunes. Give us that five-star rating. It's a great way that you can help support the show. As an Alliant Energy representative, I really enjoy helping businesses save. Today, I visited a business that asked for a free energy audit. After walking through their facility, I let the customers know how much money and energy they could be saving. Plus, I gave them an action plan detailing how to improve their energy efficiency. I showed them how they could save even more with rebates from Alliant Energy on equipment upgrades. If you are interested in saving energy and money, schedule a free energy audit at AlliantEnergy.com slash energy audit. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, Zach, so let's talk about the latest here with Chris Harris. Obviously, this has been going back and forth since before the draft. Finally, there's been a little bit of movement. The two sides, John Elway and Chris Harris's agent, have exchanged offers. But over the weekend, some a report came out, as reported by Mike Kliss and then Nikki Javala of The Athletic, that the Broncos are, quote, moving forward toward a short-term Band-Aid type of deal with Chris Harris rather than a long-term deal. Now, 
You have the report on this for our website covering the issue. Zach, why don't you break it down for our listeners? I, I think Chris Harris Jr., you know, put bluntly, he realized he wasn't getting a more a multi-year, three, four-year offer at $15 million per year. The only way he would see that number is we take it for this year, and then we'll reapproach next offseason. He, he's going to hit free agency in 2020. So that's what's on the table right now for them. Sweetening the pot for him, giving him that title desire of being the highest paid corner for this year only, his contract year, or maybe at the most looking like a two-year contract uh, probably within the 13, 14 range, like we talked about, Chad, but definitely not over the long term. 15 mil, it's not going to happen for Chris Harris. Let me tell you something. If you're the Denver Broncos, who, and right now you hold all the leverage as the team because yep. he's under contract. All right, let's not forget he's under contract. And even though that $7.8 million salary he's on, on schedule to earn this year is pennies compared to what he's worth on the open market. He signed a contract, he's under contract, and especially over 30 years old, you know, you've kind of got him backed into a corner. I do not understand under any circumstance why the Broncos would cave to any kind of a deal that would simply sweeten the 2019 salary as is being reported, only to let him walk next year. To me, that makes absolutely zero sense. It's an asinine notion. And I'm not saying there's not any veracity to it, because from what I've heard, it's just one of the bargaining chips type leverage points that Harris's camp is putting out towards the Broncos. But in reality, what it sounds like to me, Zach, is that Chris Harris is not necessarily that the Broncos aren't making him the right offer. It sounds like to me that Harris isn't looking for a four-year deal type opportunity with the Broncos because he's questioning whether or not this is going to be the magic bullet with Vic Fangio coming, that they're going to, you know, Joe Flacco's there now. Is this team moving in the right direction? Are they going to get back on the winning track? As much as he wants to get paid, from what I'm hearing, he also wants to win. So signing a one-year or two-year deal would still allow him, in theory, Zach, if the team doesn't turn the ship around, to come out of this thing and still go sign on the open market somewhere, he wants to be where he feels like he has a chance to to win a few more games with what's left in his career. I think ultimately that would be Denver for him, and I think he does want to stay. And, and listen, I'm the first person who advocated for Chris Harris Jr. I think he deserves you know at least a three-year deal to pay him comfortably 14, 14.5 mil. It's just what come to reality for the Broncos are not going to go that high on a multi-year offer. I don't know if it's because it's age, his injury, the fact that he held out and kind of made the Broncos look bad to the media. It's just not going to come to that. So if they, it doesn't necessarily mean either if he has his contract sweetened for this year that he's gone in, in the offseason. You can always approach it. You never know what could happen during the season. Uh, things could change. Attitudes could change. I just would rather ensure you have Chris Harris Jr. for this season taking care of it's good for both sides and you placate him. It sends a good message. You keep an integral defensive piece for this team for a win now 2019 and then you never know. Then you can uh, approach a long-term deal maybe in March and February. Things can still happen. But I would definitely placate him. I just think on a personal basis, on a professional basis, he's earned that. And whether it's for this year or for two, three years, he definitely deserves to be up there in the $14, $15 million range. Now that last point, I don't disagree, but I do just, I don't, I don't see why the Broncos would give him another nickel this year. If he's not willing to sign long-term, there's no, there's no upside for the Denver optics. Um, That's it. Maybe, but the optics still look bad because if you're talking about I mean, the perception that John Elway is beginning to, to garner around the league and within his own team, that he doesn't take care of his own guys. He's letting guys like Matt Paradis walk. 
I mean, we could go back through the last few years and the amount of players that, that he's parted ways with. You know, if you're trying to avoid that type of perception and those type of optics, you got to pay Chris Harris not just a few extra million for this year and then we'll see what happens. Give him a contract that recognizes his contribution and shows that you still have faith in his ability to produce for this team for the next three, four years, whatever it might be. Now, if Harris is the one saying, look, you know, I don't want to sign long-term because I'm questioning whether or not this team's on the right track, okay, fair enough. But here's what we'll do. I'm not going to bargain with you if if you're not willing to accept a bare minimum of one new year on this deal. So you're going to be signed through 2020. Something like this, Zach. Like, let's do a three-year deal. The first two years are guaranteed. And that third year, and it's somewhere around 13 and a half, four, 14 million. And that third year is a player option. If you don't want to be here in that third year, then, you know, you decline your option and you can go hit the market. And we'll wash our hands of each other. I mean, the thing for me is, though, Elway is someone who said, listen, we don't even have to get anything done. And, and you said it yourself. The Broncos do hold all the leverage here. So for him to turn around and say, OK, we'll give you that title that you want. We'll give you a double increase in salary. I just think that would be a good look for the Broncos and to kind of take the heat off them while still placating Harris. And that's the, the golden question here. We don't know whether he wants to stay long term. We can assume And I would assume he'd want to stay for maybe a two, three-year deal. And in the NFL now, it's not about these five, six-year deals. It's all about the the guaranteed money in the first three years. And that, I feel like, is what Chris Harris Jr. wants. He wants some sort of financial guarantee and assurance based on what he's put into this point. And you and I, Chad, both don't disagree that he deserves that. The problem is, as as media and, and fans think this way as well, you go, oh, well, look at the contribution Chris Harris has made to the team. Like, he deserves to get paid. And while that's true, that's not really how front offices view it. Front offices view whether or not to, you know, give someone a big contract based on whether or not there's a, a good return coming for the team down the road. They make those 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 signings and those extensions based on what they expect to happen in the future, not on services rendered, so to speak. So, do you think the Broncos, Zach, do you believe that the Broncos believe that Chris Harris still has upper echelon uh, talent left in the tank for another two or three years? That's a good question. Based on their signings, though, based on their moves, I happen to think that he's maybe they think that he's entering the, the twilight of his career. That the one year thing makes sense to me because let's see how Kareem Jackson fares at corner and safety. Let's see how Bryce Callahan fares, uh, potentially being Chris Harris Jr.'s successor in the long term. And let's roll with it until 2020. Elway has proven time and again he has no problem kicking the can down the road. So it would not shock me at all using his incentives like he did last year with Chris Harris Jr. Just to, okay, buy him some time, get him off his back, and let's roll in 2020. But what does the team have to gain knowing that Chris Harris needs that $7.8 million this year? Okay, so, I mean, he's a former undrafted player. He's had to fight and scrap for every nickel he's earned in the league. $7.8 million, while it's maybe half of almost, you know, what he's worth on the open market, that's still a lot of money to turn down and just say, okay, well, I'm, I'm not going to play this year. That's a lot of money to because you don't know what the future holds. I mean, it's, you're, you're not uh, Le'Veon Bell, right? You're Chris Harris. So... You can't pass on that $7.8 million. Right now, no. the two sides are coming to the table, I think, in good faith, trying to get something done. So what I'm saying is you, you're kind of taking a shine to the let's just sweeten the pot for 2019 and roll the dice and see what happens. But being that the Broncos hold all the leverage here, Zach, what would they have to gain in doing that kind of a 
kind of off-kilter, single season. He's already under contract. It's not even an extension. What would they have to gain to, by doing that? I mean, we're also assuming, though, that it's going to be a one-year thing. It could be a two-, three-year contract. We don't have much to go on yet. I just happen to think the Broncos value him to some extent because they came back to the negotiating table. If they said, oh, we don't care, forget it, they just let him play out your contract or hold out. He's not going to turn down the money. I agree with you on that. They value him to some extent. They want to keep him happy and keep him in the fold to some extent. We just don't know whether it's for this year, for 2020, or beyond. Now, you made a good point in your article, Zach, that the Broncos only have about $10.6 million in available salary cap. Rate. That's another thing, yeah. So, you know, the idea of that, that complicates being able to sweeten just a 2019 salary significantly and add, you know, whatever it might be, $7 million to the bottom line, you're going to have to come up with that money somehow. And without the player being on the team in future, how are you going to, you know, uh, meter that out on the cap in the next couple of years? It's be very tricky to do, which is why to me, some of these reports I'm seeing on Twitter that, you know, the Broncos are even considering that type of deal. I mean, honestly, it just doesn't make any sense to me to just sweeten a 2019 contract. Let's get, let's see how things go with Kareem. Let's see how things go with Callahan and revisit this thing in 2020. Like if you're at the table and you're negotiating and you're the Denver Broncos, let's try and whittle down the number. Like if you're as, as a front office GM guy, yeah, you want to try and get that player signed for the least amount of money as possible. So maybe you're saying, okay, he wants 15 million. I'm not going to do that. I'll do 13.5. I'll maybe consider 14. But if I do that, it's going to be at least two additional years on the contract. So you're going to be here through 2021. And then that next one, we'll do three-year deal worth, you know, 39, 40 million, something like that. The first two years are basically guaranteed. And that third year to placate you because you might have concerns on whether or not this team is headed in the right direction. We'll give you that third year, Zach, as a, a player option. I mean, this is where the financial aspect, that's where I advocate for a longer-term deal because it would actually lower his cap hit and give the Broncos some financial relief. They also have to worry about the draft class. I mean, 2.2 for Noah Fant, 1.2 for uh, Reisner, and, and you know, 1.2 for Locke. Money has to be accounted for, and I don't see how they're going to fit it all in, even with Mike Sullivan. You know, I agree with that, Chad. I just... To me, I think of it like this. If they wanted him for the long haul, they would have locked down him, locked down into a longer term deal already, or at least not approached it so combatively. But if they wanted him to just say, you know, ride the pine for the next year and bye bye, they wouldn't have come back to the negotiating table. We don't know how much they value him, but it's enough to where they want to get something done. To me, I have no problem keeping him around for this year, uh, keeping him around for the long haul, but he needs to get an increase in salary. This, yeah. this situation needs to be put to bed, ultimately. I agree. I And here's the thing. I've been advocating from day one that the Broncos need to pay Chris Harris. Like, that needs to get done. But that also means adding some additional years, you know, to the contract, obviously. So, But it'll be interesting, Zach, to see how this thing shakes out because, you know, this is this is a deal that needs to get done. And it feels like, I don't know how you feel about this, Zach, but to me, it feels like momentum is building. Like, this is something oh, yeah. That, yeah. that's probably going to get done or decided sooner rather than later. Yeah, I, it's going to get done. I would happen to think uh, in a couple weeks as June rolls around, maybe he'll be in attendance for the mandatory minicamp on June 4th. But uh, definitely by training camp, we'll have a resolution. And, and hopefully it's a positive one for Denver and Chris Harris Jr. All right. So we still have one other topic we want to touch on here in today's podcast. First, we're going to take a quick break. On the other side, we're going to talk about the offensive line. We'll be right back. 
Huddle Up Podcast listeners, check this out. If you've been thinking about becoming a Mile High Huddle VIP subscriber, now's the time to do it. We have a phenomenal offer to get your foot in the door as a new VIP. Right now, you can get your first month of VIP for $1. That's insane value, and it immediately gives you access to all of the premium content we produce. If you want to subscribe for the year, new annual subscribers will get 30% off the cost of a membership. Never before have we been able to offer new subscribers this kind of introductory incentive to pull the trigger. This is how you get access to our VIP mailbags every Friday. Zach and I answer each and every question from our VIPs, even if it means an episode goes a little bit long. Jumping on this offer also gives you 100% access to every piece of content we produce on the front page, including our Broncos film room breakdowns and every other form of deep dive Broncos content our site is known for. VIPs also get entry into our members-only MHH Insiders Forum, where you hear the insider buzz first from our talented and plugged-in staff, and you get to engage with other passionate and knowledgeable fans just like you. Becoming a VIP subscriber, you guys, it's the best way to support the work and the time Zach and I put into producing a daily podcast for your listening pleasure and edification. So go to milehighhuddle.com, click on the green banner, choose monthly or annual, and you are locked in. The regular season will be here before you know it. So jump on one of these offers, Broncos country. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome to America, the land of junk sleep, where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep, in-store or online at mattressfirm.com today. All right, so I wanted to talk also here about Connor McGovern. Now, the Broncos made him available to the media on Thursday following the final practice of week one of OTAs. And, of course, it was interesting to hear from him because it's the first time, really, that we do get a chance to hear the thoughts of Connor McGovern as the de facto starting center of the Denver Broncos. And one thing that he talked about, and I'll read a, a couple of the quotes here. I won't play clips. I'll just read a couple of the quotes that jumped out to me. The first thing that jumped out, though, Zach, is the fact that he believes that with Mike Munchak in the fold and, of course, Chris Cooper helping to, uh, you know, assistant coach, that this, and, of course, factoring in the, the additions they've made through the draft and free agency, that they expect this unit to be the best unit in the league. Do you think that was mm-hmm. just hyperbole, or what are your thoughts on that? Uh, it's a little, yeah, a little bit. I think they can be a top 10 offensive line. And the Munchag, you know, higher, I've been on record, it's one of the best in recent NFL history. And they definitely have the talent. And we always talk about the Fangio bump. Well, the Munchak magic will work for players like Ronald Leary, uh, McGovern, Jawan James, Garrett Bowles. They're all going to get better. Number one, I don't know. That'd be a huge leap. But if they can turn a longtime weakness into a source of strength, that's huge. Here's the actual quote he said. 
uh, McGovern, quote, our goal is to be the best offensive line. We've got a bunch of super athletic, fast guys. A bunch of us are strong guys, but you're not going to see a lot of big bellies. You're not going to see a lot of sloppy bodies. We're going to pride ourselves on being in shape, being fast, being athletic, being strong. And hopefully that helps us take the next step. It all goes back to technique. But if you're fast, athletic, and strong, it's sure going to help those times when you don't have perfect technique. You can kind of dig yourself out of a hole with it, close quote. So that's kind of the context in which he uttered that. And the other thing I wanted to mention here with regard to Connor McGovern here is that Mike Munchak, you know, he was singing the praises of Mike Munchak and how much the Steelers have to be, you know, crying a, a, a river over losing him. But when they, he was asked about Chris Cooper and what it's been like, you know, working with him, he said that basically Cooper has come in and when Mike Munchak is breaking something down and maybe there's like a generation gap, I don't know, they're, they're not quite connecting. It's not whatever point he's trying to get across is, is not hitting home. Cooper comes in and can lay it out in a way that the dudes understand, which is interesting. Plus, he also played for them, so there's definitely a source of familiarity, and he can relay that. And he's been a big boon. I mean, look at—he came from Miami. The Broncos signed Juwan James. Uh, Dalton Reisner uh, told me at the Combine that he wanted to reach out to Chris Cooper, and then the Broncos ended up drafting him. He's already had a major influence. And the fact that it's trickled that far down to an assistant coach— I like that there's so much open communication in the war room and, and major decisions come down to everyone putting their head together. It's definitely encouraging. Yeah. Chris Cooper, for fans who I'm, I'm sure most of you remember this, but he was one of Mike Shanahan's draft picks. He was a fifth rounder in, in 2006. He blocked for the likes of Jake Plummer, Jay Cutler. He was around for the you know Kyle Orton depredations. He was there for the whirlwind Tim Tebow season. But in that season finale in which the Broncos lost to Kyle Orton's Kansas City Chiefs in 2011 and then backed into the playoffs – Chris Cooper suffered a gruesome ankle injury on national television, and a lot of fans right now are shaking their heads remembering that. And were it not for that injury, he's only 36 years old, he'd probably still be playing somewhere. And he never received you know, the type of individual accolades, obviously, that Mike Munchak did as a player. I mean, he was a perennial All-Pro. He's in the Hall of Fame as a former Houston Oiler. Um, Chris Cooper, though, he did receive one Pro Bowl nod, and it was for that 2011 year but he had to bow out because of the ankle injury, and so it doesn't even show up on his resume, unfortunately, that he made a Pro Bowl. And, you know, he he rose up through the coaching ranks pretty quickly, too. So that's a very underrated hire by the Broncos, getting him as an assistant coach, where in some circles he might have been garnering interest as a uh, main offensive line coach. This staff, to me, is is on 100% right now between uh, the entire offensive breakdown, then Munchak and Cooper, talking about the offensive line specifically. But when Connor McGovern's your weakest link, they're in pretty good shape. And you add the coaching into that, uh, they're going to be a solid unit. Number one, I don't know. But top 10 potential for sure. I thought it was interesting, too, another thing that McGovern's talked about, and then we'll get out of here, is that Matt Paradis very much kind of passed the torch to him and said, look, you know, now's your time to become this this team's center. And it couldn't have come at a better time for Connor McGovern to kind of have the onus put on him and step to the forefront because – as a 2016 fifth-round pick, he's entering a contract year. So he has an opportunity to you know, garner a second contract with the Broncos, something that Matt Paradis, his mentor, was unfortunately unable to do. And it might be the reason why the Broncos were so comfortable letting Paradis walk. 
they were happy McGovern taking over. And you know what? He showed pretty well last year. I think he did a nice job. And again, if he's your weakest link and with the coaching they have and the players next to him, this offensive line is going to be just fine. Absolutely. And Dalton Reisner stepping in. It's kind of curious, you know, how this thing's going to shake out. It looks like on the surface anyway here in the middle of May, it's going to be Garrett Bowles, Dalton Reisner at left guard, McGovern center, Ronald Leary at right guard, and then Jawan James. On paper, Zach, especially with Mike Munchak and Chris Cooper in the fold, to me that's a top 10 off or uh, offensive line, top 10 unit. But then you got to factor in the injury bug. And the biggest issue yep. for me is Ronald Leary there at right guard who's not been able to finish a season yet as a Bronco. And then Juwan James, knock on wood, since entering the league in 2014, only has played all 16 games twice. Mm. Yeah, you nailed it. That was the two players I was thinking of right away, uh, especially Leary, who I really believe has Pro Bowl potential. He was on the border there with the Cowboys, and unfortunately he had injuries with the Broncos so far. But he can stay healthy, Chad. He will be in the Pro Bowl. That's my semi-hot take for 2019. I think if McGovern stays healthy, and so far throughout his career as a Bronco, he's proven that he can stay healthy. If he can continue that trend here in a contract year, I think the Broncos will re-sign him. I don't think he'll hit the, yeah. the unrestricted free agency waters because Matt Paradis, I think ultimately when you boiled it down, the reason the team let him go was, and Ellie talked about this at the Combine, we remember we were kind of like, ooh, that was interesting. His ankle, that that they, they weren't sure that he was going to be able to bounce back and be the same player, which is ironic because Matt Paradis had built a reputation as being an Iron Man. Then he finally suffered one injury didn't seem to be as catastrophic as the team viewed it internally, but it obviously factored into their unwillingness to offer him a, the type of long-term contract he was looking for. So as that relates to McGovern, I think if he can stay healthy this year, he can break the cycle, so to speak, and be a center that the team ultimately re-signs. The other thing, too, to keep in mind, Zach, is Paradis, you know, even though he hadn't made a Pro Bowl, he had built himself up to be one of the top centers in the NFL. So he was going to command some serious coin. He was a multi-year starter. He had started on a Super Bowl winning team. McGovern doesn't quite have those bona fides yet, right? And then, of course, it depends on what happens this year under under a guy like Mike Munchak. But I think the team can, depending on how well he does as a starting center in this system, you know, you're looking at November if he's doing well. You come to the table and offer him 5 or $6 million over two or three years to stay in Denver. If you're Connor McGovern and this is really your first full year as a starter, as a, you know, um, incumbent, so to speak, you take that money. Yeah, I was just thinking that if he shows well in the system and performs consistently and the Broncos have a semi-good year, I would lock him down early before he gets more expensive and has a chance to reset that market as it happens every free agent period, like it happened with Matt Paradis. I'm right there with you. The good thing is, if he doesn't work out, they have a, a, a great alternative in Dalton Reisner, who's you know born to play that position in the NFL. So they have good positions, uh, good spots in their coaching, the good depth, good good starting players. They're going to be fine. I just want to see the health be consistent. I want to see them stay off the trainer's table. If they can do that, Joe Flacco will be a very happy man. Absolutely. Well, hey, that's going to do it for today's episode, guys. we got to keep this short. We're running out of things to talk about right now, and we don't want to just drone on about nothingness. We had two topics we wanted to land on on today's episode. We've broken those down for you. And as it relates to the podcast, that's kind of what we want to do. We want to keep the analysis real. We want to keep it fresh. We don't want to be droning on into the weeds just to provide you with a daily podcast. If we don't have something to talk about, we're not going to stroke you so to speak. So, you know, we're just kicking it here close to 30 minutes. I think you'll take that and enjoy that. Hopefully you guys 
or uh, you know maybe you're listening to this at the gym, you're listening on your commute, wherever you're listening, we appreciate you. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. Leave your creative review on iTunes. Give us that five star rating. You can find my partner Zach Kelberman on Twitter at Kelberman twenty four seven. Myself at Chad and Jensen. We should Zach have plenty to talk about tomorrow because the Broncos will be kicking off. The second week of OTAs, we'll get to hear from Vic Fangio on Monday. So it should be a fresh episode for everybody on Tuesday. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.